Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. I just want to say thank you so much to all of you who have left us reviews and are out there sharing the show. We we appreciate you very much and keep doing it. We love it and we're thinking about you. Now, we always start with a quote. So today's quote is by Michelle Rosenthal and it is, Trauma creates change you don't choose. Healing is about creating change you do choose. Now we have a very special guest today. You're absolutely going to love her. Her name is Nicole Miles. Using a unique background in education, nonprofits, and leadership combined with robust life experience, Nicole Miles weaves expertise and story together with insight from nearly 25 year varied career to deliver messages of setbacks and growth and the real traumas life can dole out. Having lived through a violent relationship, moving into hiding and even spending a stint homeless before ultimately giving up everything, including her name for the safety of herself and her children, and then rebuilding an entirely new life in a new space that gives back and thrives. Nicole asserts that most post-traumatic growth must be paired with resilience if we're to have thrivership instead of just survivorship. I love that. She doesn't just speak on post-traumatic growth. She's actually lived it. Let's bring her on. How are you today, Nicole? Hi, Heather. It's great to be here. I'm doing really well. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I am doing very, very well. Thank you. You have just the most incredible story. Uh, before we we dive into the story, did I, did I leave anything out that you really want people to know about? I think you covered it. I think that we really want to drive home today that um, you know, we have all this talk in our society today about resilience being resilient, and that's important. But it's really what happens after resilient that's going to help us move, just like your show says, from fear to fire. Oh, my gosh. I, and I love where you're going with this, because a lot of times the words that we start out using because they're, they resonate, they're so important, because they become overused, we stop really thinking about them as much. We stop giving them the impact that they need. And what you've done is you've made this combination that, that elevates. Resilience is important, but when you combine it with the post-traumatic growth, that's the key, right? That is exactly the key. Uh, that's the mm -hmm. whole point. I think we, we do a lot of lip service these days. And it happens to me when I tell my story, someone always comes up to me afterwards and says, oh my gosh, you're so resilient. It's so inspiring. Mm. And I thought resilience was my starting line, not yeah. my finish line. And when we tell people all of the time, they just have to be resilient. You get caught in kind of what I consider this resilience fog, where you keep falling down, you keep getting back up, but things don't really get better for you. Uh. And in fact, the world keeps moving forward, right? So the distance between you and your thrivership 
is getting longer and longer, even as you demonstrate resilience over and over again. Um, and I think that's where we do survivors of trauma in particular, um, a bit of a disservice when we kind of leave it at, you're so resilient and that's enough. Um, it's not, and they're entitled to more. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I love that, you know, moving into that thrivership. And so I, I will ask you more about that in a moment, but let's, let's give people the backstory um, about you and your story, what happened. And then also, you know, I, I'm guessing that's how you came to the work in trauma and resilience, but maybe not. Maybe if you can share that journey, that would be helpful for us. Of course. Uh, so I was very much uh, sort of that typical upper middle class New England mom. Um, I was a teacher. I'd been a music teacher. Uh, I had two little kids. I'd gone through a divorce already, but it was it was on amicable terms. It was one of those, we were kids, we got involved too early, but everybody's going to be okay together. Um, when I met and ultimately married my abuser, and I had this very picturesque life on the outside. I was, you know, taking my kids to dance lessons and singing in my church choir and teaching in my little school and everything seemed to be so ideal. Mm -hmm. And as is the case for so many, um, especially survivors of domestic violence behind closed doors, things were very, very different. Um, things were very dark. There was a lot of control. Um, there were a lot of abusive issues that also sneak up on us, those little things, those little pieces of yourself, those little pieces of autonomy that you give away um, until finally you are living a life you don't necessarily recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would love to tell your listeners that I'm one of those survivors who eventually reached my breaking point and said, no, I'm gonna stand up and get out of this for myself and for my young children. Um, but that's not actually what happened to me. Um, I was eight months pregnant with my third child, and um, I received a, a knock on my door one evening. Um, I had been estranged from my husband at that point. There had been some restraining orders. There had been a very contentious court battle in which I dropped the restraining order because my own attorney told me that judges don't like adversarial women. Jeez. And that it would be in my best interest to drop the restraining order. And so I did. And 48 hours later, two detectives came to my door and told me that they had sought me out because they believed they had a credible threat on my life. Oh, my gosh. And suggested that I was not safe and that I immediately leave. Um, I, I did. Uh, and I, I always want to frame that up because... People think of this survivorship piece as you have to, you know, sneak away in the dark of night, and many do, um, that you find your own self-preservation in these moments before, uh, before you move forward. I did not. I was not in that place. Um, other people, outside forces, came and said to me, you are not safe. Mm -hmm. And that time, I heard them. Yeah. I, I was spoken to and I heard them. Um, that was really the last night that my life was ever normal, would ever look like the quote normal life I had been trying so hard to live. Um, I did go into hiding 
I would ultimately give birth to that third child in hiding. Hmm. Um, we would try to move to be supported by some family. I had to give up my job. Um, but because of the court system and the way it worked, uh, I was charged with kidnapping. Oh my gosh. Cross state lines to protect myself and live with family. And so I was brought back um, with my infant son. Uh, was allowed to leave the, my young daughters with family, which was also its own trauma. Mm -hmm. But I spent the next 18 months uh, living in shelters, domestic violence shelters, homeless shelters, homeless family shelters, um, and a stent in my car as well, in my van with the baby because there were no shelters uh, available. Mm -hmm. Working through this system that is, as so many of us know, not designed to help survivors. Mm -hmm. uh, in the end, uh, I prevailed because of an incredibly, I, I have been so blessed, Heather. I was given a guardian ad litem who was perceptive and aware of the kind of gaslighting and abuse that, that women like me go through. Um, you know, we were educated upper middle class. I was in my 30s, he was in his 40s. We did not fit the typical picture Mm -hmm. Right. We think of, of, a, of an abusive family and yet it was a highly dysfunctional and abusive family. Um, that guardian ad litem saw through that and wrote a very compelling report to a judge. And at that point, they made me a deal. And the deal was that I could give up absolutely everything that I had earned in my life, my teaching pensions, my retirements, my children's college funds, you know, my material possessions effectively. Um, except for that little minivan that I've been living in right. uh, and the three children and about $700, but I could leave. And so that is what I did. Wow. Um, I, I took what was left over for me and I started completely all over again uh, and, and had to learn who I was going to be um, as a person, as a professional. My career as I had known it was over. Uh, many your listeners may not know, but if you teach uh, in a public school, your name is state record. Yeah. That allows anybody to search you and, and where you work. Um, that wasn't a safety option for me. So I was left to end my career. Um, I went so far as to, yes, it was in my best interest to change my name, which you could do, you and I can do a whole other podcast about what it takes. <laughs> name in um, a variety of states in the country because there's no federal regulations on that oh my goodness it took 12 years to officially change my name wow yep um and and I had to reinvent myself I had to start again and figure out exactly who I was exactly what these limitations were and what these opportunities were um you know and really decide as your listeners know, when you've had that trauma, you've got to decide if you're going to live inside that trauma or if you're going to live outside of it. Mm -hmm. And, and I really decided I was, I was going to live outside of it largely because I had these children and I wasn't about to let them be taken down mm -hmm. by this story. Uh, they are all beautiful, thriving, incredible young adults. And now a newly minted teenager in our house um, <laughs> these days but we didn't really fight for it. And, and that is exactly how I came to this work. You know, some 
more than a decade after having gone through it, starting to really study trauma and resilience and what I see around children and the work I currently do, mm-hmm. um, got curious about it and, and thought, I really, really want to understand because I really want to help other people um, get up. I see too many people that just get stuck mm-hmm. and can't move forward. And I didn't have a framework for why I was able to move forward when other people are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turned out that I was without the formal training following this post-traumatic growth path mm-hmm. um, of which there is great research. And so now I, I am all about helping people get on their own post-traumatic growth path. Yeah. Um, because if your story, some stories are certainly more dramatic than mine and more traumatic than mine, some are less, but trauma is trauma, especially mm-hmm. inside of our bodies. Trauma is trauma and inside of our minds, trauma is trauma. And so if you know how to face that and grow that, the size or scope of your trauma becomes a little agnostic to the process. And I think that's important. You know, I, so, so it is very obvious from your story that you experienced great trauma, that you are resilient. Um, I'd love more information about what this post-traumatic growth is. And I know you say there's a lot of research on it, but could you share uh, an overview for people so they can understand it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So post-traumatic growth has really been um, researched very recently. Uh, It's come up within the 2000s, late 2000s, and as late as 2020, there's been some published research on it. There's a a great professor up at UNC Charlotte, uh, Richard Tajeski, who's doing a lot of work on what these actual steps are. And they say there's five steps to post-traumatic growth. The first one is education. And it's really about a relearning or retelling of what happened. We're hearing that term self-compassion a lot right now. Mm -hmm. And that is really where this education piece is. Reframing what happened to me, what happened in this scenario. The second step is what he calls regulation. I call this acknowledgement of new limitations. Mm -hmm. This is the idea of saying, because this happened, things are different now. I'd been a teacher for nearly 15 years. I couldn't imagine a life where I wasn't a teacher, where I wasn't in front of music groups, but there was a new limitation on my life. And I had to sit with that and figure out Mm-hmm. where where those limitations were and really wrestle with them. Um, when I coach people in this, we get to that regulation phase, it tends to be really painful for them. We write all those limitations down and then we tear them up. We burn those pages. We do something mm-hmm. so that we can release those limitations and look at what's happening next. Good. Because what happens next is disclosure. And this is really how we're feeling about these pieces When someone discloses to you in a moment of trust, sometimes we have a lot of questions about the details of what happened to them. In disclosure for post-traumatic growth, it's really important that the person be able to talk about their feelings Mm -hmm. and where they are with that education and regulation piece so that they can move to the fourth step, which is narrative development. And this is the place where you're developing your story to really learn acceptance. Um, And I gave you the cliff notes of kind of the the verbs of my story, the actions that happened. Mm -hmm. But what I actually learned in that story in my narrative is I found in myself a level of tenacity Mm -hmm. that I didn't know that I had. 
I found in myself a level of self-preservation I had long since forgotten, which is very common around abuse victims. I was able to actually draw new strengths. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that fourth step in post-traumatic growth, that's where you really get to start to articulate what has happened has yielded this new strength. My, you opened with a beautiful quote. My favorite quote comes in here. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote in Eat, Pray, Love. Ruin is a gift. Ruin is the road to transformation. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is that transformative moment. And the yeah. final step in post-traumatic Wait, wait, wait. Nicole, before you do the final step, it's called something development. I didn't hear the first word in the fourth step. What was the, narrative. what development? Narrative. narrative. Okay. Yes. Thank so you. That makes so much story. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is your story. What did you get from what happened to you? Mm-hmm. And our last step um, is where I'm, I'm happily sitting today. And that is in service. Mm. We know so many survivors, thrivers, right? Who, mm-hmm. who feel then compelled to go out into the world and help and serve others in some way that creates meaning. It's the very final step in post-traumatic growth is really being able to find that space because it's about wholeness. Yes. You feel like you again, and for many trauma, trauma survivors, that is really about giving back. And that doesn't mean that you have to directly work with your trauma. Um, sometimes it just means it's finding that way back to the space of, of having service, of showing some level of gratitude. Um, I know exactly how close I came to being an obituary in the newspaper mm-hmm. instead of on this incredible podcast. Wow. And it's therefore my responsibility, I think, and also something I'm really compelled to do to get out and help other people yes. so that they too can have that experience. I think that is so, so important. But those five steps, let's say education, acknowledgement, um, disclosure, your narrative development, and then making your way to service. Now, it sounds to me like these are um, amazing steps to help so many different kinds of people dealing with different types of trauma. Like if if I would ask you who can benefit from doing work in this post-traumatic growth space, who would you say? So the statistics are that six out of 10 of us have experienced a trauma, Mm. six out of 10 adults. Wow. That was before COVID (sighs) um, for which we now share a collective trauma. So I'm going to tell you that I think everybody can benefit from this kind of post-traumatic growth work Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter. I I speak a lot in my blog about what I call capital T trauma Mm -hmm. and little t trauma, right? Little t trauma is, is the not so major car accident you had that derails the vacation you were looking forward to, right? This is a small setback. Often it's a first world problem for those Mm -hmm. of us in the US, but it's still a setback, right? And sometimes unleashes a whole bunch of other things we didn't see coming. Right. And of course there are those capital T traumas and we look at things like what's happening with the climate, Mm -hmm. these kind of climate traumas that are happening when we have these major weather events. Mm -hmm. Um, People definitely need post-traumatic growth help coming out of that because in that level of trauma, 
it's a forced rebuild, right? Your, your life has dramatically changed and you must move forward, but how do you do it? Yeah. And this, that's a, a really important step. So this gives them the guidelines, the steps they can work through that anyone can work through. What if you're not sure, like, how can you assess whether it's you or for someone in your organization or how do you know when you're ready? That's a great question um, because we do get stuck in this like resilience place. Mm -hmm. um, and I also want to be clear, these steps are steps, but like all personal growth, they are not necessarily linear. Gotcha. Okay. And the number of times I've had to revisit my regulation box or the number of times I've had to visit my education box, you know, as I'm moving forward, that is all really important to, to be accepting about. This is mm -hmm. not going to look like a nice, neat five-step path, but you're ready to get there when you recognize that you've had the setback you recognize that you're still standing, mm -hmm. but you don't know where to go next. Um, and I, I often equate this, I, I've given the, the metaphor of, this is like being on a boat, Heather. So yeah. you've gotten on a boat and you're riding along in the boat, on, everything's going fine on the water and you fall off the boat. Mm. Your resilience kicks in, right? Yeah. Because if it doesn't, you're going to drown. So you fight yourself up to the surface of the water. That's great, but you're still in the water. Mm -hmm. When you're ready to make the plan about what happens to get you out of the water, that's when you start your post-traumatic growth work. Oh, I love that. That's so clear. That's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great analogy to help people through that. That's amazing. So, you know, this is such important work, Nicole. Now, was there something that happened for you in your, in your mindset that was like during this whole process, or did you just keep growing and, and growing through it? Or was there that, that point where you can say, hey, you know what, when we, we ended up um, in this location and I had the time to, to sit with it and, and I was getting, you know, the feedback that my name change was coming through or whatever it might be, was there a, a point where you recognized it or was it really just the, the, um, the grow, growth during the journey? It, like so many other things, it's kind of like kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you have kids and one day you get up and they come downstairs in the same shirt they've been wearing for several months and now it doesn't fit them anymore, but yeah. you didn't really notice that they were growing. Um, it, this, this was very much like that for me. Okay. What I can tell you though, is that the moment in which I realized I could have something better and I could have something different was the moment in which I finally set aside and put to rest the person I had been trying to be. Mm. Because even after we went through the whole process, the whole being homeless, living in the shelters, dealing with the court system, I Im immediately reemerged in a new place, three children, solo parent. And I, I did some things that looking back now, 
were very trauma driven. Mm -hmm. I, I immediately tried to get back into my career field mm -hmm. as if I hadn't missed a beat. I cut my hair <laughs> the way it had been before I went into hiding. I tried everything physical and on the inside to make myself exactly the person I had been trying to be in the dysfunctional marriage, mm. believing that somehow that was going, that I was finally going to realize that. And the moment coming for me when I realized, first of all, I wasn't going to be able to have this career anymore. And I didn't know what was going to come next. That was a really painful influx moment, but then I found a new career. Mm -hmm. And when I hit that and got into a new environment, I started to really uncover all of these pieces of myself yeah. and acknowledge these pieces of myself. And it has been a, a journey of several years now where I found myself more authentically acknowledging who I am has brought people into my circle who also accept and acknowledge who I authentically am. And I have shed that kind of space I was living in. Mm -hmm. That really helped with this post-traumatic growth process. I can definitely understand that because there is that point where you just have to let go of the expectation in order that like, you know, like you're wearing it like this heavy garment, but you have to let go of it in order to be able to see and to move forward. Um, you know, I'm wondering, because when, I, when we're talking about it, I'm thinking of all of, you know, the individual trauma, but with, you know, everything going on in the world and like this global trauma, do you think it's helpful for organizations to get some training on this type of thing? I absolutely do. Um, I spent some time in this last year doing some professional certifications in trauma and resilience. Um, and it was to deepen my own professional knowledge. But in doing that, a lot of these statistics and a lot of the settings about what happens inside of our organizations that also become dysfunctional and traumatic in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. and you're asking traumatized people to work together, lead together, build together, um, they're going to beget traumatized results. Of course right. they are. Right. Um, that's to be expected. And yet we don't think too much about it. Um, and I'm really hoping in the sort of the next evolution of work, even as it's so many people who are at home, we start to recognize that connection. We also start to recognize that it is okay for us to experience something individually. It is also okay for us to experience something as an organization, as a group, as a business mm -hmm. that's left us in a setback position. And we can utilize tools to move ourselves forward. Companies and businesses who do that very often move forward, one, much more rapidly, two, much more with much more health and, and stability within their own organizations and tend to be the groundbreakers, right? Mm -hmm. They tend to be the people who are really creating the next great work. Yeah. So I am optimistic that we are starting to have conversations um, about what trauma looks like, not just for people um, and, and, you know, not just for women. I think this is a really mm -hmm. important thing too. Trauma happens for men too. Yeah. 
And we have to stop believing that we know what trauma looks like because trauma happens to organizations, looks different in every organization. Trauma happens to individuals, it looks different on every individual. But it is a unifier and it is something that if we can start to have some conversations about, I think we can see great things because we can utilize, there's lessons in trauma. Mm -hmm. There are organizational lessons in trauma that can be leveraged to build great things going forward. I totally, completely agree with that, Nicole. You know, I'm sure that there are people right now listening that really want to know how to get a hold of you. Can you share, you know, your, your website or how you prefer, or if you've got that, you mentioned a blog, can you share how people can connect with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have my own, um, my own website is miles to go.net. And my last name is M Y L E S. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, The company is miles to go speaking and consulting. You can go to that website and you can go to the bottom of the page to the connect with me, let's engage and sign right up. You'll be part of the newsletter. Um, you can email me directly from there. You will get access to the blog, which is called the Blue Giraffe blog. It's also on that page. So you could reach me that way at my website. You can also follow me on Facebook at Speak Smiles mm-hmm. or on Instagram at miles underscore number two and the word go. You can follow me in both of those places. I'm always open for a message. Um, My phone number's on my website. So whatever way is comfortable for you to reach out, it is absolutely wonderful for me. I'd love to have a continued conversation about how I can help. Oh, thank you so much. And for those of you who are not in a place where you could grab a pen quickly, we will make sure to put those links into the show notes so that you can go there and just click and make it nice and easy for you. Nicole, you have been phenomenal. Uh, As we close this up, do you have any final parting words of wisdom, inspiration that you would like to leave people with today? Oh, Heather, I've had such a great time being here. Uh, I think for your listeners, I just want them to know a couple of things. Uh, One, I mentioned earlier, this is not a linear process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, it is not a process that has a time limit on it. Don't feel like whatever you've experienced is too small or too big to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And don't feel like it's too old or too new to be addressed. Um, You deserve to be living your best, most wonderful life in this one true existence we have. And I hope that no matter how you go about that, that you engage and have an incredible life. Because as I like to say, we all still have miles to go. Oh, I love that. What a perfect closing statement, Nicole. You're amazing. Those of you out there who who may know someone or an organization that is going through trauma right now, please feel free to share the show and reach out if you need any help. Thank you again. And everyone have a beautiful day. We will see you next week.